What's up, what's up, everybody? Michael Johnson here with the Business Choreography Podcast. I'm excited you joined me today because we've got a special guest today. I'm excited for you to meet him. Today, we have Marco Salinas. He is an Amazon bestselling author and has co-authored a book with the legendary sales personal development consultant, Brian Tracy. He's a longtime student of marketing legend, Dan Kennedy, and he's a and is a media and publishing consultant himself. Marco is now a podcast producer and a host at Business Innovators Radio Network, helping small, medium-sized businesses to grow through various strategic media and marketing assets. Guys, Marco is one cool cat. I can hardly wait for you to meet him, and I can hardly wait to get all that great knowledge out of his head and into your ears. Let's cue the intro, and we'll get started. Listen, there's a lot to learn when growing and scaling your business. That's why we created the Business Choreography Podcast, where we talk about choreographing your marketing, operations, and sales into dynamic systems that increase your revenue and your impact. We'll explore solid business principles and discuss all things that make businesses dance to success with clarity. We'll help you figure out where the holes are in your business and what you can do to fix them. Think of us as your official business choreographers, aka your insider growth strategists. Remember, your choreography matters. Welcome to the Business Choreography Podcast. Marco, welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to have you. Thank you, Michael. I really appreciate you uh, having me here. I'm excited to chat with you. Absolutely. I can't wait to dig in. I love, love, love to start these interviews by uh, going back to where it all started, right? Where this journey began. We know that being an entrepreneur and a business owner, is by no means a straight line from your vision to the destination. It's a winding road. It's crazy. You've done some incredible things. And I'd like to start kind of back on how you got started into the journey and being into entrepreneurism and being a business owner and, and kind of wind our way through there. Give us some of the deets. Yeah, no, I, I, I absolutely love that question. It's probably one of my most favorite questions of all. Um, for me, Michael, growing up, I think I was one of those kind of uh, what I call the the lemonade stand kid. Yeah, um, there was always kind of this interest in in having a business, even as a even as a kid, even as a child. Um, I remember just being fascinated with that. I always uh, took an interest in anybody that I knew that had a business of their own, and um, and you know. Funny enough, I think I noticed at a young age as well that those tended to be the people that seemed to be doing a little bit more well off financially. So maybe there was also some sort of recognition with the fact that, you know, the most people I knew, even the ones that were doing okay, it was still kind of a, you know, average type of thing. And then I noticed that those guys were the ones that seemed to have extraordinary uh, privileges in terms of the things they were able to do or the things that they were able to buy. And so, um, not saying that that's the end all be all, but when you're young and you're a kid, you're like, Hey, you know, that's kind of fascinating. It's kind of exciting. Right. And mm -hmm. so you, you kind of tend to gravitate the direction of interest in, uh, I remember going to the book fair as a kid and they had the Lambo poster, you know, when the scholastic <laughs> book fair would come around. Sure. And I just, obviously it was like, you know, as kids, we love the Ferrari. We love the Lambo. We love all these supercars and we love these types of things right and i just think that I, I kind of connected the dots between being able to acquire things that not the average person has along with being a business owner 
And so I really just kind of had that burning desire. Now, fast forward a few years later, um, once once real life actually started to happen, it started happening kind of quickly for me. <laughs> and, um, you know, got married, had a child right away, um, had another child, you know, a year or two after that. And then all of a sudden, it's like, I'm this young guy, and I've got this young family. And I was working a job at the time, because all I could think about was making ends meet. You know, I mean, that was that was really all that I wanted to do is just make sure that the bills were paid. And so I was working a nine to five job and and uh, started ended up working even a second job because I had some debt, you know, and it was like, I got to pay this debt down and all that. And long story short, Michael, like the dream of ownership of a business and entrepreneurship, it got pushed way off to the side just simply for the fact that I was just so busy trying to make ends meet. You know, my right. wife was going to college at the time. I was trying to support her because she wanted to be a, a teacher. And so it was like, let's get you through that. And then once that's done, you know, maybe then I can kind of figure out what I want to do, you know? So my mind was just so focused on that. But the reality is deep down, I was so unbelievably unhappy. I mean, I was just miserable and, you know, it took a pretty significant life event to wake me up in that I was working a part-time job, believe it or not, delivering pizza for, you know, Domino's Pizza. And I got the idea from Dave Ramsey in his Total Money Makeover. He talked about taking a second job, delivering pizza, making extra money to get out of debt. And that's what I was trying to do at that time. And one of those nights that I was delivering pizza, I ended up getting robbed at gunpoint. Oh my gosh. And yeah, it was like, I'm out here like risking my life, you know, to, to <laughs> pay off debt and not seeing my family. And it, 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 the, the silver lining from that was that it definitely caused me to do some reflecting. And I started saying, you know, if I'm going to be out here risking my life on a second job, maybe the risks involved with starting a business aren't so bad after all. You know, right. <laughs> because that was a big part of what was keeping me from doing it was fear. I was so scared of what could happen, what could go wrong. And I guess you could say that maybe that scary experience of having a gun pointed at my face was like enough to make me kind of man up a little bit and say, hey, you know what? You can either risk your life on a little second job or you can take some other risks and go ahead and, and fulfill your, your dreams of being a business owner. And so I, I like to think that that was kind of that moment where things started really moving in that direction for me. The first step was I, I took a job that was like a commission only. That was kind of like, I'm sort of a business owner, but I'm not kind of an in-between. And then that kind of helped me with the next step, which was to go all in. And so in 2010, officially, I started a financial services business. I had a business partner he and I were working for the other guy and we decided that we didn't like the way things were being run. So we decided to start our own little financial services company in Austin, Texas. Um, and it was scary. It was very scary, but it wasn't as scary as having guns pointed at you at night. You know what I mean? And so I kept going. My back was against the wall, but, um, you know, I, I just had that motivation to get out there and, and find ways to build that little financial business. And so, um, he and I parted ways after nine years. I bought him out. I wow. bought I bought out his share of the company. Um, and I decided that I was going to really ramp this thing up without any kind of 
um, hindrances or any limitations. And I was all gung ho and ready to rock. And then um, six months later, this thing called a pandemic showed up. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so it was like, yeah, so much for all of that. Right. Um, and that really just kind of threw things totally upside down. There was a lot of peaks and valleys. Um, I was able to still grow the business, believe it or not, in 2020 and 2021. But in 2022 is where things got kind of crazy. People didn't have their stimuluses anymore. Um, the interest rates started going up on houses. And what I was doing was very much tied in with the housing market. Right. And so that, along with some other issues in that industry that I didn't like with government overreach, I just started doing kind of yet another inventory like I did back you know, when I first started making that transition into being self-employed. And I said, what am I involved in? What else am I involved in? What do I enjoy the most? What gives me the most gratification? And it was overwhelmingly marketing, right? Overwhelmingly marketing. And I started realizing like, wait a minute, the last, you know, 12, 13 years that you've been running that financial services business, the main thing that I've been doing is marketing and learning about marketing and trying different things out and seeing what works and what doesn't and what have you. And so I realized, you know what, uh, this is where it's at. Uh, side note, I had started a marketing agency as a side hustle um, <laughs> back in 2014, but I was just helping a couple of friends, right? you know, to, to do some little marketing projects in here and there. And, but it ended up getting pushed to the wayside because I was so busy with the financial thing. So I basically said, I'm going to take that and I'm going to bring that back front and center We'll move the financial thing off to the side as a side hustle, flip those two scenarios around. And so for the for the last year or so, I've been pretty much full time doing marketing. And that's kind of where I'm at today, Michael. I hope I hope that wasn't too much info or too long of a story. <laughs> no, you know what? I, I love the fact that that you shared that with us because I feel like we like I said initially in so many entrepreneurs feel like it's a, it should be a straight line. And when it's not, they feel like they're doing something wrong or like maybe they're broken or, or like maybe somehow they're just not good enough to be an entrepreneur, a business owner. And yes. yet I think it's so important to hear the stories of entrepreneurs because it helps us remember, it helps us remember, Hey, you know what? My journey isn't supposed to be a straight line. And, and we have to kind of go through the path and go through the experiences. And that's, it's such a great example and hearing what you went through and what you're, what you <coughs> gained on that journey. You know, what, what is it that, that really lit you up before we get to the marketing thing? What lit you up about the financial services side of things. Cause I mean, you did that for a long time. It wasn't yeah. like it was just a, a pass through, which I know a lot of us as entrepreneurs have things that we go through as pass throughs just to gain that skill. And then all of a sudden we're off to the next thing. And, and then we carry that with us, but right. this was something you stayed with for a long time. Like what yeah. was it about that, that, that kept you in it for so long? Oh yeah. That's a great question. And it's actually a very easy question for me is that prior to starting that thing, I ended up kind of, I feel like it was almost by, by accident, just kind of fell in my lap. But for several years, I ended up in the collections world, oh. you know, when I was still in the nine to five space, right. It was just one of those things was like, Oh, go, you know, this job's available and it, and they, they hired quickly. And then it was very easy to ascend that ladder because it was one of those 
places where a lot of people didn't really want to be. And, um, you know, talk about being miserable and unhappy, right? I was the bad guy trying to collect money from people. It wasn't an enjoyable place. And then when I was introduced to that financial services thing, um, you know, I was worked. I didn't know how it worked, but the general idea was helping people to improve their financial situation so that they could purchase a house. That was the ultimate goal, right? That the majority of the people were coming to us trying to achieve. And so all of a sudden I found myself, you know, being the hero. I was the good guy in that scenario. And it was so fulfilling. It was so fulfilling for me to be able to go and go from the bad guy and turn into the good guy and help people to achieve their their goals and their dreams. And so I really think that's what kept me in that world, you know, the, as long as I did. I was addicted to the the thrill, the rush of being able to see, physically see all of the, the rewards that came from helping people um, to achieve that, that goal. And that for me was everything. So I think that was a big part of the reason why I stuck with that. Yeah. I love that. And then of course, uh, you know, for you, marketing started to take a, a front and pole position for you. So what was it that drew you to marketing? Cause some people, and, and I'm sure some of our listeners out there are thinking you like marketing, Ugh, ugh. you know, like so many times people are like, I yep. hate it. I hate the marketing side of things, but some of us, <clears throat> got that bug and love marketing. You know, I saw in your, in your bio. And as I read earlier that one of your, uh, marketing mentors was Dan Kennedy and, and me too. I love, love his stuff, love what uh, his teachings are. So what was it that drew you to marketing? Like, why did you like that when, when we know a lot of entrepreneurs and, and business owners don't? Yeah, that's a great question. And and I think definitely part of it is just maybe, personal interest and personality, just like I know people that will tell me they, they love math and I want to puke and you know, <laughs> they tell me they love bookkeeping and I want to puke, yeah. you know, and all that kind of stuff, but we're all different and right. we're all, we're all, we all have strengths and we all have weaknesses. Um, and I'm the guy that immediately wants to outsource the, the mathematical or the, or the bean counter stuff for sure. I find um, for lack of a better term, the marketing and the sales aspect of the whole equation to be kind of sexy, you know, for lack of a better term, it's fun. It's another kind of adrenaline rush. And there's a, there's a certain um, satisfaction that comes with learning how to basically change the mind of the person that you're speaking to. Right. You're able to have an influence within their mind to see you, excuse me, as somebody that is, maybe in a different, you know, different place, a different category. Um, the, the word that I use often is positioning, right? Um, that's a big part of, of what I do is to help, um, to help businesses to position themselves. Right. So I started positioning myself differently and I started seeing what a result that was. It went from, I'm chasing the customer to now they're starting to chase me. And I started realizing these marketing things have a can have a big drastic effect on the person's perception of you, or in that case of me, of myself. And I really, really loved that. I thought that was pretty phenomenal to be able to have that kind of an influence um, over someone. 
Yeah. You know? So, and then, and then one of the first things that I learned from Dan Kennedy and, and, and others as well in that space was that marketing was also a lot about making people know, like, and trust you. Right. And, and I realized early on, and this is one thing that Dan mentions often is that many of us think that we are in the business of, of whatever our trade is. So we think that we're a lawyer. We think that we are a dentist. We think that we are a realtor. We think that we are a bookkeeper. We are really not so much that as we are marketers of that, right? right. Because no matter how great we are at those things, um, if we don't figure out how to spread the word about how good we are at those things, um, then most likely we're not going to be able to build out some sort of a dependable pipeline of incoming business. And that's going to make it very difficult for us, no matter how good we are at our craft to survive. Right. Right. And I think I just, I, I absolutely fell in love with that, with that concept. I love that. You know, <clears throat> you said something I want to circle back to. It's <clears throat> so, super, super important. Uh, you talked about positioning yourself so that you weren't chasing the customer, but they were now chasing you. I want to talk, uh, I want you to talk a little bit more about that because I think, you know, if I, if I recall correctly with, with the listeners out there, business owners, entrepreneurs, if they're not marketers, they might be hearing that and going, wait, what? Like, uh, wait, the customers chase me down. Like I'm always like clawing and scraping, trying to find a way to get customers in. So talk, to, talk to us a little bit more about how you make that positioning shift to have customers now come after you, which is a huge, huge shift. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, so your positioning is your position in the marketplace. Um, the, the, the efforts and energies that you put forth towards building that up are going to have a, a very direct relation to the viewpoint, to the, to, like I said, to the actual position that you end up holding within whatever your niche is, whatever your market is. And there are things that you can do. I think one of the biggest, I think one of the biggest misconceptions, Michael, is people think that the only way to build that authority and to build that positioning is that it has to happen completely organically. You have to receive a phone call out of the blue or an email from uh, your local news team, you know, your, your local news channel asking you to come on and be interviewed about your subject matter. But the reality is, is that you're never going to receive that phone call. You're never going to receive that email. If you yourself as a business owner, do not start the process actually manufacturing it on your own. <clears throat> so, excuse me. Um, one of the biggest things that, that we try to do is to raise awareness of the fact that the great majority of authority that is out there in the marketplace today even with some of your favorite entrepreneurs uh, or, or, you know, business people or uh, even, you know, pastors in the religious space. And, you know, the list goes on, whatever category, the great majority of that was actually manufactured. It was, right. it was, it was done intentionally. And a lot of times it was paid for. And so um, if you don't have any kind of, positioning and you you don't really have a lot of those type of authority building uh tools or resources in your in your corner yet guess what it's up to you you actually need to go out and make those 
You need to create those. You need to figure out ways so that you can invest your money that you have as a business into building those things out because they really are assets. They really truly are assets. And so they are things that that are, many of those are, are very evergreen as well. So you build them out one time and they last. They last for a very long period of time. They can be used over and over again. But the more of those things that you're working on, <clears throat> the more majority of those things that you're building out, um, the more that you're going to build that that authority. For myself, one of the very first things I did was was to create the book that I that I co-authored with Brian Tracy, and that's where I started seeing a little bit of a change. Once I become an once I became an author, the book was an Amazon bestseller, so I started noticing some changes in that regard, um, and then as well as just. The fact that I was rubbing shoulders with Brian Tracy, who was, you know, who's a business legend. Um, all of those things started, you know, opening up some doors for me. And it started leading to more uh, opportunities to get featured on other medias and to be able to go do some of those things. And so it, it kind of had a chain reaction. And so those those are the kind of things that you you need to do um, to make sure that you are kind of putting effort and energy towards building that out. Because a lot of times, like I said, it's, it's not going to happen on its own, at least not initially. Right. Right. Yeah, no, it definitely, definitely takes that, uh, that manufacturing. And I, I love the way you said it because it wasn't in a negative connotation. And I think oftentimes people do use that word as, well, I don't want it to be inauthentic. And just because you manufacture the strategy or the concept doesn't mean it's inauthentic. Uh, Correct. And, and, and I love how you put that in terms of, of manufacturing it. You got to build it. And just because you build it doesn't mean they're going to come, but you still have to build it. And I think that, uh, you know, you, uh, that concept has been thrown around a lot lately. Well, just because you build it doesn't mean they'll come. Well, that's true, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't build it. Correct. <laughs> it's, Absolutely. It's a, a catch 22. You, you mentioned the word evergreen and periodically I come across owners and entrepreneurs that, look at me and tilt their head when when i say the word evergreen can you talk to us a little bit more about what it means to have something that's evergreen and to create something that's evergreen absolutely yeah uh, evergreen is <clears throat> specifically marketing products are my favorite because basically what it means is that it's going to have a ongoing shelf life um it's something that you could create it's in some sort of a marketing uh, asset, it's going to be a media, it's going to be, uh, or a book, you know, that kind of thing. Um, there are certain types of things that you do, you put that out there and then it's gone. It disappears, right? It's never to be seen again. Um, and, and just like when you're on, you know, TikTok and you're seeing, uh, things come across your stream, you, you kind of, you know, you're swiping and you're going to the next video. And then once that video passes by, it's kind of gone, you know, it's kind of done with, right? And that's kind of the idea behind doing something that is evergreen and doing something that is not an evergreen item would be something like a podcast, exactly what we're doing right now. This is going to get distributed. It's going to go out probably through all your different um, podcast channels and avenues that you're, that you're connected to. And then it's going to stay there. It's going to stay there for a long time. It's going to go probably onto YouTube and it's going to stay on YouTube for a very long time. And so um, those are the kind of things that end up being, um, you know, replicatable in the sense that you can, they can be viewed over and over again. I also think about presentations like webinars. 
Um, I know individuals that have produced a great presentation. They recorded the presentation. It might have even been been like at a live event. They did a they did a, a talk from the stage. Somebody recorded that talk, and then they were able to take that recording and turn that into a webinar. And then they run a Facebook ad or or a LinkedIn ad or an Instagram ad. And then you click on it and you sign up for the webinar and now you're watching that presentation. And that's happening every single day. Now, all marketing does have typically some sort of shelf life. For the most part, it doesn't last forever. But evergreen products have long shelf lives. And so, yes, maybe there's going to come a point where the things you spoke about are no longer relevant because technology has moved forward or the world has changed too much. And that's what I mean by, you know, nothing really lasts forever in this world. But if you can get 10 years out of it, right, that's colossal. Right. If you could get five years out of it, if you could get three years out of it, that's colossal. Um, I had some uh, new segments that I had done on my local news um, in my area where I live in Houston and, and in San Antonio and in Austin. And I went on those news segments and, and I produced a, a three-minute, you know, interview with that newscast and that and that person there that's asking me questions and interviewing me, and then I would take that and turn that into usually a Facebook ad, right. and so somebody would see that video and that would get viewed over and over and over again, and they would fill out the information and that was a new lead for us, and so that's an example of of what an evergreen uh, specifically marketing asset would be and what that would look like. I love that. I love that. And, and there's just a lot of, there's so many ways that you can turn something evergreen. I love the, the news angle. That's really cool. And, and really a great idea. I think a lot of times I see business owners get on and, they'll do something like a news interview and then they don't do anything with it. It was like, wait a second. That's, that's like you said, colossal, like, take that and do something with it. Don't just right. do it the one time that it gets uh, published on, on TV and then it's over. It's uh, so there's so much they can do with it. Uh, gosh, you know, there's so many things I want to ask you. Okay. Let's start with this. What is, you know, you're in the marketing space, you're doing it. You're all, you're, you're all in on that area. What's one of your favorite marketing strategies that you've done with a client in the last little while that's just been really cool? So here's how I would answer that, Michael. It's really, I, I have one strategy that I use over and over again. Love it. Because I, I really believe that it works. And what that is, is a, is a small book. Cool. And, and, but, but there's a, there's a real strategy involved in the process because there's there's a lot of different things you can do. There's a lot of different ways that you can frame a book, right? Right. For us, the strategy that we employ is using book in addition or in, in place of a business card. Right. So we call our little small books that we produce the ultimate business cards because that's exactly what they are. And they cover quite a different, you know, um, quite a different range of marketing strategies. So number one, there's the authority building piece. Right. 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 Immediately built it, built into that. You're immediately going to be positioned as the educator and the advocate for your client's success. Okay. Right. What happens when you come across as an expert versus a salesman? People's guard immediately goes down. 
right? right. Um, I'm working on, on another book right now. It's about 80% done. And the title of my book is um, Salesmen Have Brochures, Experts Have Books. Right. That's the name of the book. Nice. I love because it. Because it's true, right? Business cards, brochures, we all, we know what that is. That means you're trying to sell me something. Right. But if I come in with a book and you just want to educate me on something, I am not really going to perceive it as a sales piece. I am right. going to perceive it as an educational piece. Right. And I, and without you ever having to say a word and brag about yourself and try to tout yourself as an expert, the book is doing that for you. Right. Right. You don't have to say a word. We call that third party recognition. The book is the third party in that case without you having to be the guy to be, you know, stereotypical sales guy. And I'm so great. And, you know, I'm going to do all these things for you. Um, deep down, we're too, we're all too smart for that. We, we know what that means. We know how that works now. We're, we're much smarter consumers right. these days. Right. But if you come in and, and you really do educate them and you give them good information, there's going to be a very natural um, reciprocity type thing involved there. They're going to be grateful that you help them to kind of learn more, to help put their minds at ease. And they're they're like I said, they're not going to see you as any kind of a threat. They're going to see you as somebody that they can come to and trust and get a lot of great information from. Right. So you have all of those, you know, factors that are already built into that. Then there's also the fact that the book, the book is like, you know, talk about evergreen, talk about long shelf life, right? People don't typically throw books away, right? They keep them. And if they don't want them anymore, what do they usually do? They usually give them to somebody else. Right. And that's a great thing when it's your book, right? The more hands that your book can get into the better always. Sure. Right. Sure. So a lot of times they get referred, they get passed around, they get talked about, I hate to say it, but I don't, I don't ever remember receiving a brochure and then going later that evening out to go hang out with my friends and have drinks and smoke a cigar and telling them, you guys wouldn't believe this brochure I got today. It was freaking amazing. <laughs> right. I don't think I've ever said that about a business card. Right. But you better believe that I've mentioned a book. Right. And I even maybe have gone so far as to say, you wouldn't believe, man, I came across this guy and, you know, he was a plumber and he had a book. You know, we, we did a book for a plumber recently, and that's the kind of feedback that he was receiving. Nice. <clears throat> because when you put a book in the hands of, an, of a niche, <clears throat> excuse me, that doesn't normally have a book, think about how much further you're going to stand out. Right. So then that goes to the last thing that I was going to mention, which is a big item in business, which is differentiation, <laughs> right? Oh, yeah. what, is, what are you doing to differentiate and what are you doing to stand out? And typically having a book will automatically do that for you in many, many different ways, especially if you can ensure that that book is a bestseller. Right. Then you have another very powerful accolade under your belt that you can use to further open doors and, and also lower the guard of, of the people that you're trying to work with. Sure. I love it. That's great. Oh my gosh. Well, we could riff on this all day long. Um, and I, I'm enjoying the conversation, but let's uh, talk a little bit about what it looks like if somebody out there is listening and they're like, Oh my gosh, I got to work with Marco. Um, 
what do I do? What's it look like to work with you? And, and what is that process? Um, what does it look like? Yeah. What does that entail? Right. Yeah. <clears throat> so, so right now the main thing that we're doing with expert publishing is uh, done for you books for the busy entrepreneur, for the busy uh, cool. business owner. We primarily work with um, professional service providers. Sure. Those tend to be really good candidates for the books because most of them are still doing a lot of face-to-face -face interaction. Right. Most of them are also very reliant upon referrals. Right. But at the end of the day, what I usually tell people is if you have the type of business where you do give out a business card, then most likely a book would, would work. Right. For you. Right. Because yeah. you already understand the concept of I need to give my information to someone. Sure. My response is usually, why not give them something that they'll actually remember? Of course. And why not give them something that will be of benefit to them and not just you trying to solicit business? Yeah. Right? Because yeah. a business card, like I said earlier, <clears throat> in many ways, that's all you're really saying. You're really just saying, here's my card. Hopefully, I get some money out of you later. Right. But the book says, <clears throat> here's some information, and I hope that this helps you to learn something. Right. 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 <clears throat> Excuse me. And I'm so sorry, Michael. I've got terrible allergies. But uh, time. here it comes. <clears throat> yep. Um, so that's a, a big part of what we're doing now. Those guys don't have time to sit there and bang out a book. They're usually too busy being good at their at their craft or their trade. So we make that easy for them. And we actually produce the content of the book by interviewing them on my podcast. Nice. So we come up with really good questions that we believe that their that their prospective clients would be asking. Great. We ask them those questions. They do a brain dump of information because they're the experts, they're knowledgeable. And then we take that and we transcribe it. And then we turn that over to our editing team and they polish that up really nicely so that it's the grammar is all good and the ums and all that stuff are removed. And, and then we, we edit it for readability. We edit right. and format it for readability. And these are all presented in a, in a question and answer uh, format. We nice. found that typically most people really appreciate the question and answer format because wow. it's so easy to read. It's right. so easy to digest that information. And since we're living in what I call the, um, obviously with all this crazy, you know, stuff that's going on digital and um, uh, social platforms and TikTok and all this stuff. We live in what I call the digital attention span economy, right? Right. We are so used to these little dopamine hits and looking at all these things on, on the computer. Really, I, I found that there's one of two categories. Either you want it really short and really quick to figure out if I'm interested or not, or it's the opposite. You want everything. You want to do a total deep dive on that particular subject. And there's not much in between. Right. So you either want a TikTok video for 30 seconds or you want a three-hour Joe Rogan podcast. It's right. one of the two, typically, right? right? <clears throat> so what we found is that these little books will help their, um, their prospects, their clients to be able to consume information quickly without right. having to feel like they're going back to college again without having to feel like it's a chore to sit there and read the thing. So we make sure that the, we found that the sweet spot is between 60 to 80 pages, typically. Wow. So little short, small book, 
question and answer format makes it very easy for them to receive the information. It also makes it easy for us to produce that information on behalf of the business owner. And then from there, we give them a link. They're able to buy as many copies of the books as they want. Usually the books are about four or five bucks a a pop. So, you know, you might get a hundred of them um, for $500. And their job at that point is to do one thing and one thing only get the book into the hands of as many people as possible. That's great. That That's is really a general cool. idea. Yep. I love it. And where can they go to learn more about how to work with you? My website is expertpublishing.associates. So instead of .com, .associates. And once they're there, they'll see some examples of some of the other books that we've done. And there's also a uh, kind of like a learn more thing. And that will take you to a webinar, evergreen webinar that I produced nice. to talk about the, the process. We call it the rocket book cool. because um, the book is ready in 30 days or less. Wow. So, you know, um, it's a quick, fast process and they're able to turn around and start getting that book out there and using it. And and by the way, I have a client, the very first client that I did this for, I did, it was a, a mortgage guy, mortgage originator. Um, we did his book in 2014. And I think one of the greatest testimonies I've ever received was the fact that he's still passing the book out today. Nice. Right now, he he has determined that the book is one of his top three marketing assets. Wow. And he also was able to kind of track back the fact that he, over the last seven, eight years, um, has added about another $800,000 in, in his actual net revenue. So big income. Now he's in a high income space in the mortgage world, right? Uh, but it just goes to show you what's what's possible with this type of um, marketing asset. Wow, that's great. And what a cool opportunity, guys. Go check it out. Remember, it's not .com. It's expertpublishing.associates. And uh, go check it out. Check out the webinar. Go see all the cool stuff that Marco has put together for you. And uh, don't miss out on that. I mean, for goodness sakes, he's done a whole bunch of the legwork for you. Go check it out. This is so cool. You're definitely going to want to take part in it. Marco, it has been a pleasure. I'm so excited to have you today. Thank you so much for joining us. Any last words for for the audience? Uh, Most of all, Michael, I appreciate your time. I appreciate you having me on. This was a lot of fun. Um, I'm a big um, proponent of, of entrepreneurship. I don't think that that the younger generation is hearing enough about it. Sure. The, the school system is very focused on college, 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 college. And I feel like that environment is very conducive to creating employees only. Of course. And so I'm not knocking any of that. I'm just saying I think there's more people out there that need to give some thought, some consideration to the possibility that they may be called to, to entrepreneurship because there, there are certain personalities that do a lot better um, in that space. I had trouble fitting in the little box. And so entrepreneurship gave me that freedom to expand my wings a little bit. So I just want to uh, thank you for having a great show like this, where we can talk very openly about the the benefits and the joys of, of being able to be self-employed. And, and it's not easy. It's a lot of work, but boy, is there a lot of reward? Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. Appreciate your expertise and your knowledge. Thanks for joining us. Guys, we'll see you guys on the next Business Choreography Podcast. Keep choreographing all of your business. We'll see you next time. Take care. 
Thanks for joining us today. Want more business choreography? Check out our website at bizchoreo.com to find out more. And find out how the choreography for your marketing operations and sales can raise your revenue and create more impact. Remember, every business needs choreography.